Hi, Gavin. Hi, Louie. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic in this new world we live in. Of, I know. Of quarantine-tainment. It's weird. Yeah. Tis a weird time. I'm beginning to wonder how many new episodes we should record since we have a captive audience. Right. You guys have no excuse. <laughs> exactly. You're stuck in your house. Please listen. What I hate, though, is people are like, I'm getting so many, um, just want to catch up, make sure you're okay, from like, you know, the band I'm in and all this stuff from where I'm like, literally, I thought working from home would allow me more time to do that. No, I'm, I'm just working. It's Girl. awful. Girl. And then you're living there. Once you're, once you're like, quote unquote, done with work. But I since know. you're working from home, you're never done with work. I bet you you're... this would be great if I was like, I don't know, a sophomore in college. Right. Oh. Or if you lived in a place that had like 70 rooms and you could just leave all everything yes. in that one room. No, neither of us that. have that life. We don't. We're we're doing our best. We hope you guys at home are staying Absolutely. safe. For all the jo- feeling, feeling good. For all the joking about having a captive audience, please stay safe out there. Please wash your hands. Please self-quarantine. Do not go to the beach like those little dum-dums. Little Do dum-dums. Not. Little dum-dums. That's in my band. Little dum-dums. Little dum-dums. <laughs> hey, it's Lou and the little dum-dums. <laughs> I would listen to it. Um, speaking of listening, you guys are listening now to the Mixed Reviews. Absolutely. We are a film podcast in which we take a subject such as an actor, director, or a mini-genre, and we cut it down. You know, we talk about the history of it, we talk, tell you what we think is good and what we think is bad, and then we give a little wrap-up. Yeah, we take two weeks to watch as much as we can, and um, lots of opinions. Oh my goodness, do we watch as much as we can. Um, before we get into this week's episode, though, we have some old business. Our last um, episode was all about... DreamWorks Animation. Once uh, again, thank you to Jane Cozens for giving us that idea. Yes. Yeah, I think it came out a pretty good episode. Yeah, I liked it a lot. We salute you. Um, we asked you guys to go on Twitter and vote for your favorite uh, movie. We had quite the engagement with we this did. poll. I'll let you guys know I'm the one that creates the polls. And I was like, should I put in Other or should I put in How to Tame Your Dragon? Well, honey, the audience has spoken. Yeah. Um, Shrek came in at 16%. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, which was Gavin's pick, came out 23%. Other, which mostly was yeah. How to Train Your Dragon. I don't, a, a vast majority of How to Train Your Dragon. Though, I will say we got uh, one for... Rotel Dorado. Rotel Dorado, and one for Puss in Boots. Boots. Yep, that came in at a shocking second place with 30%, and... Oh, baby, there can be miracles, because my pick, The Prince of Egypt, came in at 31%. Yeah. So take that! Guess you got a burning bush on your side. Okay. You should get that check. Don't talk about my bush. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we love Prince of Egypt. We love all these DreamWorks movies. Um, thank you guys for voting online. And um, this is like the perfect time, truly, if you're like bored at home, like the perfect time to go back and revisit some of these movies. And they are so widely accessible. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Literally. You know? I think somebody said that they just took the Shrek movies off of Netflix, but I'm a sure... majority of them are on Hulu. Yeah, I was going to say that. I'm sure they'll be popping up on Hulu because of that contract. Yeah. So. We love a good contract. Yeah. Um, but okay, moving on from DreamWorks. Gavin, we have a very special episode. We um, do. Because we're talking about the one, the only, the legendary, the gay icon, Sally, Sally Field. Field. <laughs> We like her. Oh, we really like her. <laughs> um, it's it's very. I don't want to say it's very rare, but it's rare when we do these episodes that I'm every movie. I'm like, oh, what a treat! <laughs> yeah. Sometimes this feels like it could become homework. I'll, I'll be honest. Even the bad ones, I was just happy to see her. Yes, and I 
I'm like, and a lot of these movies I'd seen before, but I was like, I'm going to watch Mrs. Doubtfire again. I want to watch um, uh, Homeward Bound again. Yeah, I want to watch Soap Dish. I want to watch Soap Dish all oh, the time. Oh, fuck yeah. It's, 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 she's just one of those people. I don't know. And It's funny. I uh, I was a guest. I was lucky enough to be a guest on our friend Murtada Alfada's podcast, yes. Sundays with Kate. Uh, I did the episode Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And what's cool, though, is he asks you sort of like, what is the the one actor you remember from your childhood that sort of got you into to movies or obsessing about actors? And I said Sally Field because I my mom was such a huge fan. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it, like that time period, she, you know, she has like a, a one, two, three punch with um, punchline uh, Steel Magnolias and Soap Dish. You know, those were on in my house a lot. My mom really loved Forrest Gump. You know, yeah. uh, I remember seeing Eye for an Eye way too young of an yeah. age. So, like, I, I just Sally Field, there's something about her presence that I just associate with my mom. Plus, she's so darn cute. She's and so cute. A tiny little woman. Yeah, absolutely. Just so darling. Um, it's funny, you forget how tiny she is until she starts being in scenes with Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Lincoln today for the first time, and I was like, oh my god, her, her standing next to Daniel Day-Lewis is yeah, crazy. Exactly. He can just pick her up and cradle her. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were kind of, kind of like, I guess we, uh, in our last couple episodes, we were like, we don't really have any um, right. news pegs. This, but, and I had mentioned, like, I want to pick someone from like the seventies or eighties that really had like a big booming career then. And I threw out a couple of names. And when Sally came up, we were like, we Scooby dude. Yeah. Both of us. And, um, it, I don't know. Like I said, none of this episode felt like homework for me. Uh, I quickly was like, I'm going to read her book. I'm going to just like watch as much as I can. Um, and just, uh, I don't know. Her voice is so like welcoming, soothing. She has a gay son, a famous gay son. She does famous gay, son. a famous gay Twitter son. The uh, she got in trouble for she yes. was receiving an award for allyship, and she said yeah. the f word. You all have fought for him as surely as if you were one of his parents. You've changed and are changing the lives of little boys and girls who realize somewhere along the way they're just different from their other brothers and sisters. And so the fuck what? I know. Which, by the way, one of my favorite things about researching Sally Field is... She loves cursing. She loves cursing. She She loves potty mouth, and it's a passion of hers. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. She is the gay mom we all (laughs) want, we all need. Um, But, yeah... um, do you have any other thoughts before we get into our rewind? No, I mean, I guess just the only way to enter her is Mother Has Arrived. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Let's get into our rewind. It was my rewind this week. Um, I Because of fun quarantine things, I didn't take as much notes as I usually do, but I did, um, I listened to her uh, memoir in pieces, which is very moving and very oh, yeah. good. Um, recommend it. Um, and, and I, I feel like I know so much about her. I feel like a little bit like my good friend, Sally Fields. It is funny because unlike, you know, I, I, you know, we often try and get as much research as we can. And especially if we're doing a a person who is a primary source themselves, it's, it's always fun, but I feel like everybody else's, um, memoir I've read, be it 
Cary Grant's or Jane Fonda's. Like there, there's a massive balance of focus on career and personal life. And I really feel like Sally Field was like, no, you're going to learn about my personal life. Yeah. She's (laughs) like, I made movies, but (laughs) she was telling us about like where her great grandparents came from and like the relationship between like her mom and her grandma. I was like, I know Sally's family now. (laughs) This is crazy. Um, But okay, um, I digress. Uh, Sally Margaret Field was born on November 6, 1946, um, and she was born in Pasadena, California. Her mom, Margaret Field, was a working actress, and her father was Richard Dryden Field. They divorced pretty early in 1950, um, and her mom got uh, remarried to Jock Mahoney, who is a kind of famous um stunt man also an actor in his own right yeah um and so primarily growing up she was surrounded by these two really blue collar working actor characters who weren't famous um you know her mom got a deal just to kind of like be on the lot ready to go when like basically a swing for shows and movies um and jock even though he was getting some roles he was more known as a stunt man yeah um there's a lot of (laughs) Like I said, there's a lot of personal things I guess we could get into. I don't know if, how personal we need to get in. Um, I guess all I would say, and she's been very open. Yes, absolutely. That um, she had a very, um, at best, complicated relationship with her mom and dad. Right. Or mom and stepdad. I do. I do just want to say, like, I don't. I don't know if we're past this era yet, but you know, trigger warning for sexual yeah. abuse. Yeah, for sure. In her memoir, she talks about how she was sexually assaulted, not only by him, but by. by numerous people actually yeah um so she is a survivor of sexual assault but most horrifically by her stepfather yeah for for about a decade yeah you know child abuse sexual child abuse any child abuse but sexual child abuse it um i think one of the reasons it is at least my point of view it's so damaging is because it's so complicated there isn't just one feeling. How then do you grow up and have any sort of understanding of what healthy sexuality is? Or how is it not always connected to danger? It's always connected to danger, shame, and loss. The, the mechanisms that get, that get ingrained in you as a child, and they worked very well as a child, quite possibly. But as an adult, they no longer serve you. And how you get out of that garment Mm -hmm. is very difficult. And um, I think part of this for me was in trying to see see the system of, of survival so that I could move away from it. And it was no longer holding me stationary. Um, So I was no longer seeing things uh, through the eyes of a child. We don't need to get into the details of that at all. No. But just know that she was, as a young person, she says that she was very unsure of herself. Um, she says she didn't really grow up with a lot of friends, um, was not popular in school. And really, I think where her story for us starts is when she was around 12 or 13. And she realizes that she she finds clarity when she stands on a stage. When I was 12, I was lucky enough to, uh, in, in my junior high, I was lucky enough to have a theater arts department. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, you know, came from a sort of traumatic 
kind of childhood and I had I had put myself for survival in a sort of fog but when I stepped on stage and it wasn't even a stage it was a classroom with all the chairs and and desks yeah. pushed aside and did my first scene and I was 12th and 7th grade and it was from born yesterday I couldn't have been more wrong <laughs> <laughs> and but it was that some bell rang and the fog cleared and something electric, like a spark happened inside me and I was alive and I could hear my own voice. I was purely alive on stage with that young man across from me and I heard myself speak to myself. And it was the only time it had happened, it was just a flash and then I went back to not knowing what to do with my hands yeah. and my feet. But my whole life long, I have spent, you know, trying to search after those fireflies on the edges of my eyes, which is what led me through my entire life. It feels like the rest of her career life is kind of chasing that clarity, that um, being able to feel and be emotional, um, because I think she, she, the way she talks about it is she felt so repressed her, by her sexuality, yeah. her, her, um, the, the adult figures in her life. Um, she felt so misunderstood. Um, and it's interesting because I've seen a, a couple interviews with her over the years prior to her book, before a lot of these revelations came out about her childhood, where she talks about how she's really a darker internal person. Actors have only to call on uh, who they are, everything that they are from the time that they're born. And I think that I'm a very complicated, dark person. I've hidden it carefully behind an exterior that was taught to me. And then I found the stage and it saved my life. Like we just said, she's cute. You know, she's like, she's like a breath of fresh, whatever mm -hmm. she's. Mm -hmm. And I think that's both an acting choice, but also a defense mechanism. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's interesting. She, she talks a lot about how there's like expectations about like what, a girl is supposed to look like what's the girl supposed to do um and i think as we get through her career and stuff we'll see how that manifests in her choices as an actor um the roles she takes on um and things like that okay um all right moving a little bit ahead she uh in the book she talks about how she became a cheerleader and she was very happy and proud of it yeah um, especially because the bitches that didn't give her any time yeah didn't make it fuck those bitches yeah i mean she tells this very famous story about how her um her brother had gone off to school and she was like i didn't know what i wanted to do essentially um after high school uh her stepfather jock takes her to a like workshop essentially an acting workshop yeah and she does a scene with her mom. We did one scene and she was like, but I had no idea that it was like about, you know, crazy sexual stuff. Um, she doesn't, she thinks that the, the showcase is kind of lame. She doesn't think too much of it, leaves. And when she's outside, she, um, a, a man approaches her and he's like the head of um, the TV division of uh, Columbia, I think. Or yeah. It's Screen Gems. Screen Gems, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, I saw you in there and I think you're great. You should come to this audition for a show. And she's like, okay. Um, I mean, she's just like, she's literally, you know, 17 years old. And the first thing she ever gets is um, a TV show called Gidget. Yeah. Um, and it's about a, a little teeny bopper surfer girl and her relationship with her father. See before you meet Gidget. For 15 and a half years, my life was a complete and total ick. 
But then, on the 23rd of June, two things happened. I fell in love with two things. Jeff, my moon doggy, and surfing. Being on that show, it, it wasn't a big success. But no. And what was interesting about Gidget is, like you said, it's not a big success. Uh, gets canceled and then becomes huge because they start airing it during the summertime when teenagers are actually home. Right. And um, she says that uh, she says she has one great story about how she had a, one scene with like the father character where she's like really crying and like everyone on stage is like, oh, my God, like this girl can really act. Um, anyway, the show gets canceled. Um and in this time, also, the, the actor who plays her father, she really grew to, like, love him and see him as a father figure. And she was kind of saying, you know, it was, I really thought he was my dad. Like, you know, I'd never gotten this kind of attention and um, care um, from a uh, from an adult male in my life. Um, so that was, I think, really, um, she, was, she talks about how grateful she was to him. After that, she gets cast in The Flying Nun. Um, and- Which was ABC's attempt to keep her in the mix because like i said gidget becomes a huge sensation over the summer but they've already canceled it right so they need a new vehicle to keep sally field in the fold right and she and during this time though she is like i want to be a real actress i want to go and i want to you know um she said she had never been to uh new york never been in a plane much less out of california and she turns down flying nun like three times yeah and um they literally send her stepfather after her to be like if you don't do this you might not get another job ever again and they essentially scare her they had already started filming with another actress right and the pilot for it and so finally she 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 essentially makes a a decision out of fear and says okay i'll do the flying nun even though she she has said she fucking hated it yeah to this day she talks about how much she hates the flying nun yeah she's like i didn't want to do it i thought it was very stupid show um, I, every episode was the same. There was no substance there. It wasn't funny. What, like, she really has feelings about this show. Um, and what, what comes out of this show though is she has a story where she has a breakdown on, on set. Um, the great, my, my friend Madeline Sherwood, who played the Mother Superior when I was really depressed, uh, said, come with me, and took me to the actor's studio. And that was the end of the first year of The Nun. And it saved my life because I met Lee, and I would be doing The Flying Nun in the day and going to the actor's studio at night and doing things I wanted to do. And I was starting to find the place inside of me that mattered, which was to be an actor. It's funny. I feel like Lee Strasberg's come up a couple times, but I think more than anything, he's name-dropped a lot in our Jane Fonda episode. Mm-hmm. Lee Strasberg actually asked her why she was there. Yeah. Because he was like, you're a working actor. You get what most of these people never will. Right. And she was there to hone her craft. Yeah. And to be fulfilled, you know, because she she was, I mean, she talks about she was going through a um, an eating disorder also while she was on The yeah. Flying Nun. Um, she was taking all these diet pills um, so she was always like zonked out of her mind. She says that because her, her mom was an alcoholic and so she ate a lot when she was um, uh, anxious and stressed out from the show. And so her weight was ballooning like crazy. Right. Um, because The Flying Nun was such a big success, there are a lot of um, press and tabloids and stuff. Also, might I add, 
Um, Sally is the OG bitch who made it from TV to film. Right. People love talking about George Clooney and how he's the only one who's done it. But she has a very rocky road, I will say. George Clooney, like, took off. Right. What I love about Sally, though, is, like, she... Who was I just talking to about this? Like, I mean, Jane Fonda's a good example. Jane Fonda's a gorgeous model. Right. Sally Fields, she was... And she said, she's like, I knew I was never going to be the model. When she would try and go out for auditions, they were like, you're never going to be on the list. Your only models are on in contention for these roles, and you're just not that. And so you're right. She had a very rocky road to try and um, break free. And honestly, after Flying Nun, she was typecast. You know, pe- oh, yeah. people were not like, oh, yeah, we'll put the fucking Flying Nun in our movie. Absolutely. And that that's she kept running into that time and time again. She does another short lived one season ABC show. Doesn't pan out. She starts doing she, she you know, she in the book, she constantly talks about God forbid, like, I didn't want to do game shows. I didn't want to do all these things I wanted to act. Right. And, you know, she eventually gets, you know, she starts to move more towards an actual film career. She does do one movie during the time of Gidget and the Flying Nun, which is a Western uh, with Kirk Douglas um, called The Way West. And it is so bad. Okay. Um, I'm very happy to not talk about it. Excellent. Um, So her big... um non-tv break i mean it is tv still but it's uh i mean uh, fuck it it's civil civil in 1976 comes yeah. around and she fought so hard for this part um and she it's funny i mean i rewatched all of civil yeah civil. so did i i had no idea i mean i'm not rewatched for me first time for me i had no idea because i didn't know it was a tv movie because yeah. people talk about civil like it's and admittedly there was cut together for a film release later but it, like it's three and a half hours long. Yeah, it was a two night event on ABC, um, and this was like in '76, the same year that Roots came out. So like TV yeah. events were really big um, that year. Um, but so she does Sybil, where she is, is playing a woman who has seventeen um, different personalities. personalities yeah. Um, so uh, it's it's based off a true story, but there have been right uh, thing there have been contentions to say that perhaps it was made up right but, you know and she mentions that i like that she mentions that in the book i like yeah. that she's like she's like who knows how accurate any of this is right um but what is i think important i mean for sure there is still stigma around mental health and there are reasons why people think like oh multiple personalities is like evil or weird or like you know spooky ooky shit right um and but what i for the time this was the first um, showcase of, you know, uh, child abuse and... Uh, and the child abuse is, is heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Hard to watch. Yeah. Um, I remember I first watched this movie in high school in our psychology class um, because our teacher was a loser. Um, but I rewatched it now. She's incredible. Yeah. She, I mean, the tackling... And, and, and this movie was really hard to make. They had to fire the director... Yeah, um, because the first director hated everything what Sally was doing. Yeah, he didn't even want her. Um, the other lead role in the film is Joanne Woodward, who, funny enough, plays a similar character in the classic film Three Faces of Eve. And essentially, Joanne Woodward said she wouldn't, after seeing Sally's test, wouldn't do the movie without Sally. And then was also instrumental in removing the original director. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. And fuck that guy. Um, 
she ends up winning an Emmy um, for Sybil. Um, funny enough, she did not go. No. Um, because men suck yeah. and are fucking with her life her entire career. Um, it, it, she, during this time, she was um, dating Burt Reynolds. Yes. And um, Burt Reynolds, very hot, but also very much an asshole. Yeah, he basically... You know, he he was an abuser as well, but not in a physical sense. He was yeah. an emotional abuser. Yeah. He wouldn't let her swear. And she says that she constantly had to make herself smaller as mm-hmm. his personality got bigger. He he was who he was and a man of his of his time and needed uh, the women that he was with to represent him in a certain way. And um, but would he have been different if I could have said, don't do that? I don't like it. Yeah. I but I couldn't. I couldn't be myself. I could I was absent from I, I was behaving the way I was taught, and that is to be loved, I had to disappear. Yeah. So I disappeared. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, truly, I he I mean it continues. Yeah. Throughout well, for, I for mean, a while. I mean the Sybil before she did Sybil, she does a movie that doesn't come out until after Sybil. Right. Called Stay Hungry, which was written and directed by Bob Rafelson, who basically levit- leverages her sexuality for her to keep the role. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, starts yeah. sleeping, has an affair with her. Yep. So she can stay in the role that he... So, yes, men in her life have a bad tendency to use and abuse her. So, also, fuck Bob Rafelson, even though I do like Head, which is the monkeys movie. But it's like, excuse me, Gavin. I love head. Um, right. So, Stay Hungry is her first um, film release. Um, and that came after... Uh, As like a top build. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, that com- It comes out after Civil, but she shot it before. Yeah. And she plays kind of a, a down-home, like, sleazy loose. She has a, a love affair with Jeff Bridges and, and maybe... I had slept with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. It's also one of his first film roles, which yeah. I was not expecting. Um, but yeah. Um, so like I said, th- this is around time when she is dating Burt Reynolds. Um, they end up doing three movies together. Four. Four? Oh, that's right. There's the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Um, most notably is um, the Smokey and the Bandit. Which was their first one, yeah. yeah their first one where she says that... I mean, that's kind of where they met. Um, he was like... the. The script's bad, but I want you to come and do it with me. And they, yeah, they basically improv, like, a majority of it. Well, what are we going to do when we get home? Go to bed for a week. Good idea. And sleep. Want a bed? The movie's fun enough. Yeah, I, I said, I watched it for this, and I was just like, I, you know, it's not for me. But I can see why it, it's funny. I was I was thinking about too like the thing that Burt Reynolds has, and he's basically like, especially during the seventies, he's like the coolest white guy. Yeah, like he's like what every white guy wishes they were like for sure. And you know, there's a lot of dads in that era oh, who watch yeah. that movie and are like, "Oh yeah, that's who I am." Smoking the Bandit was the second highest grossing film of 1977. Right, which is the same year a little film called Star Wars came out. Hello. It's insane. It's, it's insane. insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so during that time, she uh, gets a call from um, director Martin Ritt. And he essentially is like, saw you in Sybil, honey. Thought you are pretty good. 
um, and asks her to come on over and so they can, um, you know, have a little talk, a chit chat, if you will. Um, and he essentially is like, I have this movie called Norma Ray. Um, we've offered it to other women. They all said no. Um, but I think maybe you can do it. Yeah, I want you. The studio doesn't. Before she even reads it, she tells him. Before she leaves the office, and this is my favorite thing about her, is she says, I don't care what it is. Mm. I want it. Yeah. She, I mean, I think Norma Ray for her feels like the time when she was like, I need to break free. You know, she had done Sybil, and even though had gotten all these accolades and awards for it, People, I mean, it was still a TV movie. Right. Um, she was kind of in this toxic relationship, not only with Burt Reynolds, but she also had this, uh, like, her personal life was just kind of, like, in misery, yeah. what was going on. And she... And at this point, she's still real young. She already has two sons. Yeah. She has two young sons. And she thinks, like, oh, my God, Martin Ritt, who is an actor's director, so well-respected. And she's thinking, like, this is it. This is my way to becoming a real actress. Um, so, and, and fucking Burt Reynolds is like, why did you go take the meeting? And like, he's just classically still being an asshole. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she does Norma Ray, does gangbusters. She wins every acting award in North America. Um, she wins the, the, every, every acting, like literally there is no acting award in North America for best, actress in a film she did not take home yeah and and like i know you just said that but i need to stress that that's (laughs) unheard of she won um also the acting award at Cannes that year she she has a really great moment in the book when she says you know they after the movie finished um the like spotlights on her and martin and they're clapping and then martin sits down and it's a sally and they grow even louder and um she won the uh the trophy at Cannes that year also um, yeah, Norma Ray lets Hollywood fucking know, like, this is not little Gidget anymore. Right. This is a woman that has, you know, fire and urgency and, um, a range, you know, to really show off what she does. And, um, but yeah, we love Norma Ray. She does The End, um, Hooper, Smoking the Bandit 2. Yeah. And, like, these movies, like, she's, like, less and less in, like, and she's yeah. just... as as the movies with Burt Reynolds go, go along... She's less and less in them. Can I briefly mention the movie that she's in right after Norma, Norma Ray? Please. Every person needs their Catwoman after they win the Academy <laughs> oh Award. God. So the first movie she does after it is Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. Oh my with God. The sequel to the Poseidon Adventure. Um, she has said many times she did that solely for money. Money, money, money. Uh, and I do not blame her, but it is... So bad. <laughs> she. What I love about her is that she is very unafraid to be like, listen, I know what my career has been like. Yeah, she says in the book, she's like, I have had my, you know, fill of stinkers. She did, you know, during this period, she also does this movie called Heroes that she did that right after Smokey and the Bandit. And, and she was like, it's not great. And I watched it today. And you know what? She's right. <laughs> but, but like, I love the fact that she's able to. To call it out. Because right. Because there's not too many. I think the last actor we did who was willing to talk about their bad performances was maybe Julianne Moore a full year ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's funny. I mean, uh, the thing that's interesting, and maybe it's just because I read this book of hers, but she talks about this industry very much as a business. She was like, my agent said, maybe it wouldn't be a, 
a bad thing to do, uh, Smoking the Bandit. You get to be the hot side piece to Burt Reynolds, you know. Maybe you get people thinking about you as, like, a more sexual object as opposed to, you know, flying nun. Like, just to keep... And so she talks so much about how she has never been, um, even after all of her success, she's never been able to, like, be getting, like, a million offers right. to do everything. She can't be... And so she she knows. She's like, sometimes I have to pay pills. I have young fucking kids. I've, right. got, I've got a mom. I've got a sister. Like, her family life was just so insane. She was like, I need to work. Yeah. And that's the end of that. As we get into the 80s, she does Absence of Malice with, um, God, he's so handsome, uh, Newman. Yeah, Paul, Paul Newman, Newman. Whom I met before he died. Wow. I'll tell you about it someday. The most handsome, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I was, was a teenager. So. I was so happy to like be like, ooh, surprise journalism drama. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also like bad journal. Like the movie was made, the small sidetrack for Absence of Malice. Absence of Malice was made because the New York Post... Uh, wrote some incorrect stuff about Paul Newman, and Paul Newman really wanted to stick it to him by making a movie about how journalists get it wrong. Right. Well, I, at first I was like, ooh, exciting. And I was like, wait, this is dumb. Yeah. Like People referred to it as the um, anti-All the President's Men, which is so funny because Robert Redford's in All the President's Men. Yeah. So, like, little yeah. little rivalry there. Um, And then the comedy Kiss Me Goodbye, which I think is really, like, dumb, yeah. but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but I had fun. I don't think... Can I say this now? This is because neither of these are my one star reviews, so I'll just get it out now. Between Stay Hungry and Kiss Me Goodbye, I don't think she has a lot of chemistry with Jeff Bridges. I'll be honest. Yeah. And like, I thought I was like almost rooting for the fucking ghost in Kiss Me Goodbye because James Conn, who hated the movie, didn't do another movie for five years because wow. he hated the movie. I thought James Conn was so charming because yeah. he's clearly playing Gene Kelly. Yeah. And he's doing like his little tap and he stuff. He loves tap dancing. And I was just like, you know what? Just fucking go with the ghost. Okay. So fun thing about Kiss Me Goodbye. It's about a fucking ghost. It's about a ghost. And, but like, it's one of those like sweeping the way we wear movies. Like it starts yeah. that way. It's just very sweeping. It's very upper crusty. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, a ghost is here. Yeah. Um, it's it's th- the ghost of Sally Field's first husband, who was a, a Broadway choreographer. Who dies at his, like, Tony acceptance party. Yeah. Because <laughs> he falls downstairs. And, huh. and so then she decides three years later to marry a boring straight-laced man. I know. And she, like, goes back to their old apartment, which, by the way, is, like, Gorgina. a three-story brownstone. Um, so she has money. Um, and well, when you're a Tony award winning producer's <laughs> wife, exactly, you know how it is. Um, and, and that's when the ghost comes back into her life. You were sad. No, I was angry. Angry? At what? At you. What did I do? You died. You went and died. God, I hated you for that. I hated you for going off and leaving me. Just when I thought I had you out of the way and behind me, I had to go and show up here again. Because we're not going to talk about this movie again later, Kiss Me Goodbye is just a very good, like... Yeah, it's fine. It's, 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 it's a very good, like campy gay like what is going on yeah i think jeff bridges is actually the the breakout star of this movie because i think he um has a lot more to do. Uh, sally's fine sally's fine sally's fine she has um the unfortunate um and i think it's in the script she feels like she's up and then she's down and then she's screaming and then she's and like i feel like you see that better deployed in in later movies in her career 
you see it a bit in Soap Dish, you see it a bit in Miss Doubtfire. But, like, here it's just, it's like, 11-2, 11-2. <laughs> like, it's... Um, but all I have to say, if you're having a, a gay movie night or whatever, yeah, kiss, uh, me, kiss goodbye. me goodbye. It won't hurt you. It's funny. Um, okay, in 1984, she does Places in the Heart, uh, where she wins her second Oscar. Yeah. Leading actress. And what a... And I, once again, Louie and I do not discuss our picks beforehand, so I may be insulting him right now. What a nothing movie to win an Oscar I for. I was thinking, I was, so I watched the movie, I was like, you know what, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. But the role is very... Yeah. Vanilla. Vanilla. And I felt like everything, I felt like it's like analysis of racism, vanilla. Analysis of war, vanilla. Poverty, vanilla. Violence, uh-huh. vanilla. Everything is, it feels like an 80s TV movie yeah. with a better budget. Yeah. Because that tornado sequence. It was amazing. Yeah. It looks great. Um, Danny Glover's in it. Yeah. I thought like the supporting. Uh, I fucking pl- love Danny Glover. The supporting players are all really good. John Malkovich. Yeah. Oh, okay. But also, I was, me and Derek, I was like, Derek, this is just like the Triforce of like minority, disability, mm-hmm. woman, and we're coming together to beat a patriarchy <laughs> like, 100% that's what i mean is it's but it like never wants to really talk about those things yeah. like a a large portion of the film is about cotton picking mm-hmm. and never once does it really get into the except for like Danny Glover's like describes what it's like to pick cotton yeah. but that's it yeah. it's like what also, are you doing? The, the entire B plot of like, um, Ed the, Harris the, and his fucking wife that has nothing to do with the main plot. But genuinely. also like no consequences yeah. really, like nothing really happens. But the movie is fine enough. It's inoffensive. Um, and you know what? And, but so this is the movie that she, um, says her famous Oscar speech. Yes. Um, which was a quote from Norma Ray and most people don't realize right that. and so just so we can get it out there she's because it's also often misquoted she says i haven't had an orthodox career and i've wanted more than anything to have your respect the first time i didn't feel it but this time i feel it and i can't deny the fact that you like me right now you like me and that that last part is the quote right mm-hmm. um and she talks on i think it's hollywood chatter or whatever the fuck she brings up anne hathaway and it came true. It, it came true speech and how fucking awful it was. And Anne Hathaway said it, it was a fucking awful speech. Um, but the expectation of like showing like your gratitude and all this stuff, it's a really fucking awful place to be in. You know, it's like if one way, if you don't show enough emotion, you don't care. Yeah. If it's too much, they're like, Oh my God, relax. It's like, you can't care that much. And so she said, uh, she, she has this quote where she's saying, you know, like I, took a second and and th- that was the year that they started like flashing lights in your face like yeah um instead of like an orchestra it was like a, just like a flashing light and she was like i just really wanted to be so included as an actor and that's you know that's what came out and i, and I genuinely think i mean everything it's funny because she doesn't really talk about it in her book but i think like that specific moment um but i think what she's alluding to a lot in her book is that yeah, she she wants to be seen as such a serious actor, and winning that second Academy Award was was proof that she was respected for the art that she was doing. That it wasn't just a job. She knew she gave a good performance in Norma Ray. Yeah, she knew she gave a good performance in Places of the Heart. But to be awarded twice for it was such a big deal to her. I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. Um, and there are very few actresses who have 
won lead actress twice. Yeah. Um, so it's a very like rare field to be in. Um, and a rare Sally field. Ugh, I walked into that. I gave that to you. Uh, but I mean, and, and I, maybe not for this role, she didn't deserve it or not, but like, I think she fucking deserved her body works. I think speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, with that, let's keep going. Um, she co-stars with James Garner in 1985 in Murphy's Romance. Yes. Um, a role that she, like, so she, it's the third and final film she does with Martin Ritt. Cause she also did Backroads with mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones and it's a disaster. Um, but she, she does Murphy's Romance and they had to fight to get James Garner into yeah. the role. Nobody wanted him. They wanted Paul Newman. They wanted to reteam her Paul Newman. She has said several times. Mm-hmm. Her kiss with James Garner. Slow down the music, Gavin. Is the best screen kiss. What? She has ever received. <sighs> oh, yeah. Honestly, I buy their romance. Yeah, I 100% did too. I I didn't think Murphy's Romance was an amazing film, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they are very good together. Yeah. Um, one funny little tidbit. Um, so during this time, Sally Field had a, basically a contract with Columbia Pictures. She was doing a bunch of movies with them. Um, Columbia Pictures at the time was co-owned by the Coca-Cola company. And so, um, and a lot of those movies, they're like her being like, hey, I'll take a Coke. And there's like a bunch of signs of fucking like Coca-Cola everywhere. I was like, we get it. Enough. Product placement. Not new. Yeah. No. In 88, she does a little film that she actually produces. She is an uncredited producer. It's a film called Punchline. Um, I'm, oh my God. I'm mentioning it now because a uh, good friend of mine, future guest Kim Sorensen, would be very angry because it's one of her favorite films. Really? Uh, the last time I saw it before rewatching it for this, I watched it with Kim. Um, it's a film in which she's a housewife who mm-hmm. decides to embark on a career of stand-up comedy. She has a bit of an overbearing husband who doesn't really understand her John choice. Goodman, you mean? Yeah, John Goodman. <laughs> um, and she starts, so- sort of falls under the tutelage of a younger comedian played by Tom Hanks. Uh, I love this movie unabashedly. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is the same year that Roseanne starts on TV. And I think, I think you can feel the, the sort of Roseanne influence of this housewife who decides to turn to comedy. Um, uh, I love the chemistry she has with Tom Hanks. I love the chemistry she has with John Goodman. And I like the fact that the, the director said he cast John Goodman because he was like the the husband is an asshole, but he's not a bad guy, yep. and that's and that's what he wanted out of that. I love the fact that the film is populated by other comedians. Yeah, and what's it's great fun. is during the lead up process to making the film, Sally and Tom Hanks both went out to do stand up comedy for people. Tom Hanks said the first time he did it, he bombed. He thought he had a tight five minutes. It was about a minute and a half, and then he struggled on stage. But one of the other times he did it, Chris Rock was one of the other comedians on the bill. And he said Tom Hanks delivered the funniest five minutes he's ever seen an other comedian do. Sally Field, in a separate occasion, was on a bill with Adam Sandler. And Adam Sandler said she gave one of the funniest stand-up, five-minute stand-ups he's ever seen in his entire life. And it inspired him to keep going. Well, that's range, my friends. Okay. and, And so I highly recommend... It's a great rainy day movie. I love it. I love that there's so funny. There's like a parallel to it, to Norma Ray. There's a great scene in Norma Ray where she sits her kids down and she tells them about her life mm-hmm. and she explains everything, you know, like they're, they're going to come after me. They're going to smear me. I love you kids. That's the first thing. Second thing is I'm a jailbird. 
Now you're going to be hearing that and a lot of other things, but you're going to hear it from me first. Millie, your daddy, his name was Buddy Wilson, and he died four months after you was born. Craig, I wasn't never married to your daddy, and he wasn't Buddy, and he's not Sonny. He's another man. And there have been others in my life you're going to be hearing about them, too. I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. And there's a great scene in, in Punchline where she sits down with her kids and she explains what comedy means to her. There's three things in this world that I love. I love being a mom. I love being a wife. And I love being able to make people laugh. I've always been able to make people laugh, even when I was a little girl. It's always made me feel good. It still makes me feel good. The thing is, when you do it right and, and you make people laugh, it feels like, like you're doing something that no one else could do quite the same. You know? It makes you feel special. I'd be a happy mom if you guys could find something in your lives that could make you feel that way, you know, make you feel special. You know what I mean? I'd be even happier knowing that the people who loved you were helping you to do that. And it's a great parallel to that. I don't know. There's just something really special and magical. And plus, once again, the chemistry with her and Tom Hanks, even though she is 10 years older than him, so good. Anyways, that's my rant on Punchline. <laughs> what happens the next year, Louis? Well, the next year, in 1989, she does Steel Magnolias. Ooh. Which is just one of those American Southern movies that really make you want to just like, ooh, get a fan, you know, feel that dewy sweat. <laughs> um, yeah, Steel Magnolias is like a fucking classic. It's, it's Absolutely. A, you know, a, a tour de force of American women um, that is funny so every funny. time you watch it is sad and heartbreaking every time you watch uh reminds me i mean it, it reminds me of my undergrad days yeah robert harling who wrote the play it's based on wrote it about his sister who died of complication of type 1 diabetes and he was brought in to write the screenplay and what's amazing about the play versus the movie is the play all takes place inside truvy's uh, hair salon. Amazing. I've actually seen the play. Amazing. Um, and it's re I mean, it's really good. And so for the film, he has to expand upon that. There are no male characters in the play. So he has to really beef up those characters. Gives Sam Shepard an amazing minor role as Truvy's like yeah. kind of emotionally distant husband. Mm. And I don't know. I just, I, I think that movie is so well crafted. Like I said, so funny. Heartbreaking. Obviously, I rewatched it again today. I was like, I don't need to rewatch this. Rewatched it again today. Maybe like a solid 30 minutes of crying. <laughs> yeah. And 
even crazier, the director, Herbert Ross, who apparently was an asshole to work with, he he kept telling them that they couldn't act. He made Julia Roberts cry. Jesus Dolly Christ. Parton, at one point, he said, can you even act? And Dolly Parton said, no, but it's your job to make it look like I can. Um, Shirley MacLaine, his wife had died two years before he made the movie. Shirley MacLaine was friends with them. At one point, he was being so mean to them. Shirley MacLaine was like, you've been nasty ever since your wife died. And she wouldn't be proud of you and none of us are <laughs> so leave like, it to shirley mcclain yeah. like, i feel like i mean her character in the movie it yeah. would have been yeah. oh yeah oh Weeza. Weeza, who uh in the remake was played by alfrey woodard which once again probably a shining star in the remake yeah the remake's not so great but i i just wanted to point out that like it's a heavy lift to take that from the stage to the screen and and rework it into a film. And it's interesting because the version of the play I saw, the woman who played Mei Lin, which is the character Sally Fields play, was very unemotional. Mm. Just completely like deadpan. And it was a really interesting thing to watch the difference between those roles because Sally Field gives such a warmth to it. But she is tough. She's tougher in this movie than she is in a lot of her roles. Right. Because you can tell that life has scabbed over. And the and the way that this other woman played it, she was completely calloused to life. Oh. So when she has that breakdown at the end, when she loses her daughter, it's like an atomic bomb. But I love the way Sally Field plays it because it's almost like ripping a Band-Aid off at the end. It's It mm. doesn't, it's not as in your face about it, right. but it feels real and grounded. And you feel just awful for her when she's trying to figure out why her daughter is dead before she is. Yeah. Oh, honey, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine! I can jog all the way to Texas and back, but my daughter can't. She never could. Good. I'm so mad, I don't know what to do. I want to know why. I want to know why Shelby's life is over. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Will he ever know what she went through for him? Oh, God, I want to know why. Why? Lord, I wish I could understand. No. 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 It's not supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to go first. I've always been ready to go first. I don't think I can take this. I don't think I can take this. I just want to hit somebody until they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. I mean, I always remember, I always think of the scene in the the hair salon where she's, you know, when Julia Roberts' character is like having her, um, you know, her fit. Her fit. Yeah. And she's just, she's a calm mom. She knows how to take care of her kid. And she's just like trying to really, you know, focus her in and get get shit done. And I was yeah. like that. And that to me, she she she's able to zero in on being a loving mother character. And I think that's so interesting because she plays a lot of moms. And I think she's had um, after like finishing the book and then watching these movies, I was like, holy shit. I see so much of Sally yeah. in these roles. I see her in Sybil. I see her in Norma. I see her in this and, and that's what, and that's one of the things that her, one of the things that I love about her specific training with Lee Strasberg is Lee Strasberg 
obviously like when you're playing a character you don't want people to necessarily see you you want them to see the character but also when you're paying to go see something you're going to go see that actor right like you know be it brad pitt be it sally field like you're paying money to see these people act and one of the things i like that lee strasberg does is he makes them dig for something personal and i think what it does is it helps the audience relate to yeah. what the actor is doing both on a character level but then on a person level right and i think she really manages to to stretch that divide and i i don't want to say that she's constantly playing herself she absolutely is not but the aspects of her the things that you love about her she injects these characters with right going into the 90s we have soap dish in 91 yeah which we talked about in our Whoopi goldberg episode um problematic fave as fuck yeah okay? yeah Re- and really it's it's that the last it, minute. Yeah, it's the last, last minute or three minutes or whatever. It's a horrible bout of transphobia that occurs <sighs> at the end. But it's so funny. Rewatching it this time, I came up with a new theory about it. Okay. It is an Almodovar film done mm, by Hollywood. I can see that. And it genuinely, like, the use of color. The, co- the vibe. The vibe. Like, everybody's, a li- like, a little over the top, but not, but not, not believable. And I honestly think that joke had it, had it, played in an Almodovar film would have played so differently. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like subversive or like, it wouldn't, because it's a Hollywood film. Right. It's like, you're invited to laugh. Right. At the person. Right. I don't think you would be in an Almodovar film, but I feel like because it is a Hollywood, it's like, no, we have to be like, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so, and it's unfortunate because it is, it's a spectacular film. Yeah. And she's amazing. Like the, the levels that she achieves and like i said earlier you know i feel like sometimes you know 11 and 2 and this one she she finds that sweet spot yeah. that just like rocketed off the edge and speaking of uh gay movie night this is one you oh, cannot forget absolutely we just had a gay movie night with all of my gays um we watched uh die mommy die Die mommy die i uh, was i was there yeah i know i said we oh yes oh yeah <laughs> you and me gavin oh yeah that is us <laughs> that is us um this is us hit tv show on nbc <laughs> um early 90s we also get our the titular homeward bound 93 where she plays sassy and boy is she she is sassy okay listen i watched homeward bound and the sequel lost in san francisco the sequel is trash okay yeah i haven't seen the sequel since i think i saw it in the theaters when i was a little kid it is trash um the first one though is an emotional journey that is beautiful wonderful um a building block for all of our childhoods um Watch it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we also get, the same year, we get Mrs. Doubtfire, where she plays uh, the the mother of uh, the kids, and she's married to Robert Williams. Williams. Yeah. Um, the excellent, excellent scene work at the restaurant. Oh, excellent. I mean, where would we be without the gif? Where would we? The, the, the whole time? The whole, the whole time? And listen. The whole time? <laughs> she, I was talking to Derek about this. Most actors, I think, would just go up, 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 yeah. up. She has three the whole times. She goes the whole time, the whole time, and then comes back down. And yeah. it's re- the whole time. Like, it's that's yeah. a masterful it's work. Beautiful choices. Choices. Uh, choices. Daniel. Daniel. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The whole time, the whole time, you would... The whole time! Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Miranda, uh, please. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have to go. We have to leave now. I have to leave. 
We have to leave now. I have to go. We're going. The only thing I will say about Mrs. Doubtfire, though, I I do feel like a great movie. Great movie. So not not a complaint, necessarily. She is maybe a little bit underwritten. She's a bit shrill. She's a bit like, I'm the wife, and I don't want my kids to have fun. And, like, Robin Williams is kind of a loser until he gets his shit together and admittedly the movie the movie does a lot to like make up for his character and it's really fun and fantastic but i will admit like i i don't know if that movie would be made nowadays with the wife being perhaps as a little two-dimensional as she is and i think sally field brings a lot to that role she definitely like there is that one moment where she's like i'm always the bad guy i have to be the bad guy because you're such a fucking loser fuck up yeah um and so i think like it tries to cover its bases there but the movie succeeds and lives and dies on robin williams obviously yeah and like the performances i I mean i think everyone in that movie is so well cast yeah from the kids who feel so relatable to um fucking james bond (laughs) yeah but pierce brosnan like who is just like he must have like the best sense of humor. He's like, yeah, I can play fuck boy. Yeah. I'm James Bond. <laughs> um, the next year we get um, for Scump where she plays the mom of Tom Hanks. Yeah. You mentioned once again, that- only 10 years older. Yeah. Only 10 years older. And she was like, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. It's an, it's another thing where like, I mean, for Scump has a lot of problems besides this. Uh, but, uh, it's another role that I'm like, would they have written the mom the same way as they did I back then? I haven't seen this movie in, in yeah, years. I, I wasn't willing to rewatch it for this either, especially because she's such a supporting role. Right. Um, does she even have scenes with Tom Hanks? I feel like she... Yeah, she most, does. She does. Okay. Uh, when She has scenes when he's the little kid, not right. with Tom Hanks, but then she has scenes in old age makeup when she's dying. Oh, yeah. 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 She talks about just like how she had to like, working with child actors, she would bribe the kid to like do scenes like, over and over. She's yeah. like, I'll give you candy. Um, so honestly, mom. In 96, oh, we have to talk really quickly about Eye for an Eye. We do. Um, you, th- this was the first movie you said I had to watch. Yeah, I did. And now I feel like a jerk because honestly, I watched the first 15 minutes and I was like, I don't need to rewatch this. I had never watched it. I was upset. I had never <laughs> watched it and I watched it and I, I was like, she's doing a Jennifer Lopez enough? <laughs> enough. <laughs> I cannot believe. She's like, I'm taking my Taekwondo classes. Yeah. I'm like learning how to self-defense. Um, the scene that really got me, I texted you this, is when she's, like, getting word, or, like, her daughter's calling her that she's getting fucking killed. Yeah. Um, and then the balloons just leave the car. This this movie is beyond melodrama. Oh, absolutely. Um, Kiefer Sutherland but, is a psychopath. But, the, but the, so, essentially, it's a revenge film because her daughter is rape and, raped and murdered by Kiefer Sutherland at the beginning of it. But it is brutal. And that's why I decided I didn't need to watch it again. Because I was so actually disgusted with the depiction. And honestly, Kiefer Sutherland has said they had to stop shooting that scene multiple times. Because he was dry heaving at the at how awful the... I mean, and it, it is... I, I wish I could do a little bit more journalism investigation on this movie specifically. Because this shit, this movie feels like a reaction to, you know, uh, super criminals right. and like, you know, mer- and I'm, because I'm, he's like randomly selects. It's not like he's, yeah, I he's was not like, like a smart, no, you know, like, and I was I, watching this movie. I was like, I don't know a lot about the justice system, but he is straight up out there murdering. And they're like, we can't do anything about it. So sorry. Also, Sally Field is fully just getting court documents and like, 
scratching off yeah. white out. That's the thing that I remember the most from when I was a kid is like they've whited out his information and then the woman's like, it's not cement, honey. And then she's like scratching off the white out. Like, I was oh. like, okay, there's being really loosey goosey with how the law works <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a TNT drama, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can- I think I caught it on HBO a lot of times when I was a kid. So I'm pretty, oh, well, I'm pretty sure my mom rented it first, but that's, <laughs> there you go. Um, around this time is when she starts to smeagle back into TV stuff. Yeah. She gets a, um, an Emmy for a guest appearance on ER. I did the best I could. Mom, we took care of you. You always had a place to stay and food to eat and clothes to wear. I worked hard for that. When you were on your meds. I tried hard to be a good mother. I tried every day. Abby, Abby, can you listen to me? There is a lot of me in you. I see it. In in, in her book, she skips over this part. She a skips lot. over a lot of, like, like uh, we were discussing this before we started podcasting. Pretty much from normal, Norma Ray to Lincoln, she just kind of glosses over yeah she's like yeah whatever my career <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean and she so she like you know i guess after eye for an eye really she's like not doing as many um theatrical f- things absolutely she's doing and when she does do theatrical stuff you know she she actually directs a tv movie but then she goes and she does a lot of like small bits she shows up in where the heart is in 2000 yep. Um, Which we saw for Natalie Portman. Absolutely. She directs her first big screen movie, a film called Beautiful in 2000, starring Minnie Driver and Joey Lauren Adams. It's not good, but it's the script's fault. I don't want to give it to the director. I think, actually, the acting is pretty decent in it. Um, I think Minnie Driver's a fucking genius. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think, unfortunately, the characteristics they've given her character... it. You do not have to be a likable main character for a movie to be good, but you have to have something for the audience to latch onto. And she's kind of just a monster. Mm. And so I was just like, well, I don't really care. You know, there's nothing relatable here for me. Right. Which is unfortunate. Um, she's in um, the, the uh, we've previously mentioned other episodes of Legally Blonde 2. Yes. Red, my, white, and blue. My blonde. one star. Yeah. My uh, one star review for Regina, Regina King. King. Yeah. Um, she plays the like senator who's also a part of sigma new or whatever the fuck um yeah i mean these are like smaller bit things um that she does uh and honestly when the first real big thing where i recognized oh sally field i gotta watch this was brothers and sisters yeah when i was in college that's all i watched my sunday nights honey they were at abc <laughs> Grey's anatomy which once again back at abc yeah yeah uh, Brothers and Sisters was one of my mom's favorite TV shows when I was in college. Just, uh, she, just me and your mom. Yep, just you and my mom. Kikiing always, getting mm-hmm. out the tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by that I mean both the drink and the truth. Hello. Um, <laughs> she wins an Emmy for Brothers and Sisters, and she has an iconic speech where she gets on stage and she says, "If it were up to me, there'd be no goddamn wars." And let's face it. If the mothers ruled the world, there would be no goddamn wars in the first place. Fox fully cursed, like, bleeps it out, turns the camera away. Um, But she was like... And people were like, why did you do that, Fox? And they're like, some people might find that language objectionable. And Sally said, fuck you, I don't give a fuck. Um, This is around the time when Sally, she she had remarried... 
Um, she, I feel like I know so much about her first marriage, but like, who cares? Yeah. Um, but she, she's, you know, she had her youngest son, Sam, pretty late in life. Like she was in her forties. Um, and yeah, I think her, uh, other, her second eldest son at that point was 12. So like they were already well past, right. Um, you know, like baby stage. She, and so I think this is probably, she obviously needed to be making money close to home yeah and so she was like okay now i'm just gonna be doing brothers and sisters it's fine can i tell you by the way the book because i know you did the audiobook but the book has a treasure trove of pictures Mm. that are obviously not in the audiobook and can i tell you that there is a picture that is 100 proof as to why her son is gay (laughs) bam it's a picture of her on the set of Steel Magnolias with oh my God. Julia Roberts, Olympia Dukakis, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, <sighs> and baby Sam. Little Sammy. You know, they say that you're born with it, but I think this, I is, yeah. this is origin story. This is or- that is clear right. proof, honey. Radioactive queens. Yeah. Um, they'll get you. Um, and so she's doing Brothers and Sisters, and it was during this time when um, she uh, gets a call from Steven Spielberg. He's like, I just bought the rights to this Abraham Lincoln. Team of Rivals, this book about Lincoln and his cabinet. Right. And so he's like, I want you to be Mary Todd. And she's like, love that. Great. Um, But, you know, movies take a long time to, to actually happen. She can feel this role kind of slipping away. She talks a lot about how she wanted this role so badly. Um, But when they decided to cast Daniel Day-Lewis, she was like, fuck, I'm 10 years older than Daniel Day-Lewis. Mary Todd's 10 years younger than him. Um, But she says, I'm going to still fight for it. Um, And so when Steven Spielberg says, hey, sorry, we're going to have to move on from you. She's like, the fuck you are. Yeah. I love that story, too. She's like, you're wrong. Yeah. She's like, no, 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 no. Um, She basically has an audition with him. Um. They show it to Daniel Day-Lewis. He was like, fuck yes, that's my girl. They do a little um, screen test together. They're like, yep, you're right. Um, bam. In two, 2012, I believe, she she gets um, another Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Um, and that's the same year that she stars in her highest grossing film, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. Um, and she, honestly, I think she's a great Aunt May. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, too. Like, I think... Um... I can't think of her name right now, but Rosemary Harris. Mm-hmm, the is, first Aunt May. Yeah, the, is a beautiful representation of the Aunt May of the 1960s. Yep. I think Sally Field was was the perfect representation of the Aunt May of, like, the ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. And genuinely, I, the only scene that I think is good in the second Amazing Spider-Man is, like, the one scene that she has in the film. And who else was going to care for you and protect you and worry about you? Your father? No, I was the one who wiped your nose and made you brush your teeth and do your homework and washed your dirty underwear. Me, your stupid, non-scientific aunt who doesn't know how to make ends meet, who has to take nursing classes with 22-year-old kids so I can pay for you to go to college. And I don't know how to do this without Ben. I don't know how. And, and you're dreaming about your perfect father who was never here. No. No, I won't tell you. You're my boy. As far as I'm concerned, you're my boy. And I won't hurt you. Yeah, she was perfect. And I. She was perfect. I, as much as I don't particularly care for the Amazing Spider Man series, the two films that they did with Andrew Garfield, 
I don't know. I almost wish she got to keep the role. Yeah, not that young, hot Marissa Tomei. I love she yeah, make she, her show up anywhere. Yeah. But. Listen, okay. I think Andrew Garfield's a great Spider Man. I think Emma Stone is excellent. I want them to have babies together. Um, the movies are fine. Second one's not even fine. The second one's Sorry, not even fine. Yeah. But I cried. Moving on. <laughs> um, I blame Jamie Foxx. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Moving on. Um. She gets her star, uh, her Hollywood Walk of Fame star in 2014. It's for, I think I read somewhere that it's like in front of the Hollywood Wax Museum or something like that. Oh, it, it absolutely is. Um, in 2015, one of our favorite movies, she stars in Hello, My Name is Doris. Yes. So good. Went to the theaters to see that. Love that movie. I've seen it three times. <laughs> oh my God. I rewatched it for this just because I was just like, I need a little light in my yeah, life. Yeah, why not? Um, in 2017, I mean, so like we're 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 here, we're queer. It's yeah. fine. I'm drunk. She um, she does like a brief role in a Netflix film called Little Evil. I just watched it last night. No idea what she's doing there. Whatever. Um, I got to see her on Broadway. Did uh, you? I saw her in 2017 uh, doing the Glass Menagerie. Fuck yeah, you did. Um, that's great. I mean, she's. I mean, the thing that like really struck me is she's such a physical actress. You know that in that that production, it's uh, she's really like taking care of that younger daughter and like i was like oh my god that's american legend sally field like on stage this really you know i think for uh it would be easy to be like let her sit down and just like act but not this sally she's like going around she's still spry as fuck um i do really wish i mean obviously i was not in new york city at the time in 2005 she originated one of the leads in the goat or who is sylvia mm -hmm. i really wish i could have seen that Ah, uh, it's a good play. You fucked up, Kevin. Yeah, I did. You fucked up. I did. By not living here. <laughs> um, I guess moving really quickly into her activism, she, she famously has osteoporosis. Um, she, for a long time, was the Boniva girl. Controversially, because, uh, Boniva, which is, uh, supported by Roche and GlaxoKleinSmith, apparently made a lot of claims that they couldn't actually scientifically back up. Ooh, good. But, you know, that's not Sally's fault. That's not Sally's fault. Um, she, she is like, that's like the most liberal lefty yeah. California girl you could possibly get. She is, like we've mentioned, a great ally for, and, um, supporter of gay rights. Uh, she is a Democrat. She supported Hillary in 2008. Uh, and, uh, oh, and uh, she joined her good friend Jane Fonda and got arrested, uh, this past year. Yeah. Um, in December, nonetheless. Yeah. So only a couple months ago. Advocating for, um, climate change. Um, well, actions. Against climate, climate change. change. Yeah. She loves she climate change. She loves climate change. She's just Listen. melting ice caps. Yeah. She's, she's spraying three different bottles of hairspray. Well, <laughs> she said, fuck Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, me too, bitch. Um, that, I mean, but also last year she became an author and she wrote her book yes. in pieces and we've used it as mo a vast majority of our primary sources for this episode. And I will say that her and her mom figured it out. Okay. They did. <laughs> they did. But they didn't get time to talk about everything. And that's really upsetting to me. Or are you, Gavin's still reeling? I'm reeling! <laughs> um, I think that's a perfect spot for us to move into our picks. Gavin, what do you think we should do first? I think we should start with our five-star reviews. We haven't started with five-star reviews in a while. Spicy. Okay. I am going to have to... I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of good stuff to pick here. Um, I'm going to pick 1979's Narray. I have to. Um, there, for a while, I was like, "Man, Sybil's fucking banging." Like, what if I just picked Sybil? But I think Norma Ray 
I, I had never seen it before. What I loved about it is I think she, uh, Sally Field is very good. When, when I, when I, in my head, when I think of her as an actress, she's very good at just like boiling over and like kind of, it's like, she gets really tense and is just like so mad. Um, and maybe that's just because when I like really met her was in Brothers and Sisters and she's always like angry at her fucking kids or whatever. Uh, Close to Flockhart with your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Be, I would be yeah. so pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. <laughs> but in Norma Ray, she gets to do that, but I think she has a lot more to do and a lot, a really nice range of it. I think, I mean, you mentioned the beautiful scene where she sits down her kids to tell them about her, um, uh, her life. Um, I should have talked about the movie. Uh, so Norma Ray, uh, 1979, directed by Martin Ritt, and it is about, um, this, textile mill in the south and it is about a man who's coming to town with the textile workers of america union trying to unionize the mill um he's jewish he's a lefto he's just you know very sore thumb sticking out in this community what i love about this movie also is that there's obviously um like a race thing going on um there's just there's a religious thing going on um, and, and so Norma Ray, she, um, lives with her parents, but she works, she's second generation working in a factory. Right. She, a, a, right. And so she, when she's having this affair with this married man, she kind of just is like, and the implication is that she's slept around a lot. Right. Right. You know? Um, oh, I know. <laughs> Been there. Um, and she kind of, you know, her father and mom are kind of, they, they both work in the plant. Um, and Norma is just known to be having a big mouth, you know? She wants longer breaks. She wants um, just better working conditions. And so she kind of falls in with this um, TWA worker um, and slowly is like, yeah, I think I should be part of this. I should help out. And um, yeah, I don't know. She talks about in the book where Martin Ritt, like she's like, better than any award I ever got was... One day he came to me and he's like, that was a very good scene you did. Like, and, and he, she was like, oh my God, like to get praise from this, like notoriously really tough director who did not take shit from anyone on set. Yeah. She tells about how his wife was on set and like mentioned something and he was like, well, when you direct a movie, you can do that. Uh, uh, gag. <laughs> like, and, and so she was like, he didn't want to hear anyone giving anyone notes right it was if his... another act yeah if another actor gave you notes yeah it was his job yeah and this was his movie and we were in service of his vision and she but at the same time just to give you an idea of who martin ritt is he never did the whole a film by martin ritt right because he believed the moment that he acted directed wrote produced edited then it'd be a film by martin right right then it's like his film yeah um but yeah, I think there's this like something very, um, she, I mean, she, she's so young in this movie, Yeah. but she is just like the epitome of this little spitball and that the moment, I mean, the entire scene where she, she has a moment where, um, basically the, the, the factory and like the union, they're coming to a head and she knows, she sees it coming. Like there is going to be a breaking point and she knows if she does this thing, it's, she's going to pay for it. Right. And she's scared, but, and she's pissed off and, but she has to do it. And so she, um, 
she gets into this big fight with the the um, organizer, and she's like, "You just want me to fucking do this thing? Like, I I know what I have to do. I know it. Cut me some fucking slack." And she's she blows up, but it's in such a way because you can feel like the turmoil inside of her. And then the scene where it all happens, leading up to that iconic moment of her standing up with the union sign, um, it's it's like a masterclass. Like, it, it, yeah, sh- and. And again, like I said, I see so much of Sally in this character because she's surrounded by these men telling her what to do, what she can do. And she's just like, no, no, I'm, I, and, and it's almost as if Norma was the way for her to finally be able to say no because she had gone through so much in her life where she didn't feel like she could. She didn't have the agency. She felt like everything was just like, you know, coming in around her. And this role for her was finally her way to, find a space to be that woman that got on the table and demanded attention, demanded um, help. Um, and yeah, it's just, the, the, there's a great line where she's asking um, the a pastor if they can use um, the church for a union meeting. And she says, it's going to be black people and white people. And um, she, the, past, the, pre- the pastor says, you know, well, I guess we'll miss your voice in the church choir. And she says, huh, you'll hear it just somewhere else. And I was like, ah! I said I sinned and I done wrong and I'm sorry and I asked for God to forgive me. Now I want to see what this church stands for. I want to see if you'll stand up in that pulpit and say there ought to be justice, there ought to be a union. And if you're smitten and you rise up and the Lord will be on your side. And if you don't, and I say there ain't nothing good for me in that church. It's just so good. And there's, and there's a reason why... The movie resonates so uh, yeah. to this day. Um, there's a reason why, and, and it's because of her and her performance. Um, I I really wanted when I was deciding my five star review, I really wanted to give it to something from my childhood that I remember so well. Be it Punchline, be it Steel Magnolias, and maybe just because I wa- rewatched it today, be it Soap Dish because I love the levels she creates in Soap Dish, and I love her being silly but also being serious and. But if I have to pick a five-star review, it is also Norma Ray, And I Ooh. 100% agree with you. I I genuinely not even sure what else I can add because you just did that so eloquently and so beautifully. I'm a huge supporter of unions. I love the fact that she yes. took this chance on this small film about it, too, nonetheless, that this was, this was her turning point. And I agree. I really think it was her moment to... To break away and be kind of like, no, this is this is who I am. I'm a person. Pay attention to me. Yeah. I have this power inside of me. I think that's also why her book really does just go from... She talks about a couple other projects in the middle, but it, it's really like Norma Ray made me a star. And then Lincoln is that moment where I had to tell maybe the most important film director in America that he was wrong. And it's interesting to see that arc and... The, like she clearly sees it as well and i 100% agree i think it's a really fantastic film i love the family stuff i really like her as much as i just said she doesn't have chemistry with jeff bridges i think she has a lot of chemistry with beau bridges which is funny because he's kind of an asshole in the film <laughs> and i think it's really interesting the way that plays out yeah um and obviously she's got great chemistry with her co-star who's the union organizer um and i like that they don't play it as romance no. they genuinely don't no um, i think a lesser film would. right and in the end and Bo is like, have you slept with him? Yeah. And she's like, no, but I do think of him. Yeah. And that to me is just like, my mind exploded. And I was like, this is a fucking woman who has a brain. Yeah. And she's intrigued and interested in 
you know, not only her, her community, but she's like, oh, fuck, I made a difference. I was the one who got them to turn off the fucking factory machines. And it's, it's, it's beyond liberating, especially knowing now, like, what she had to go through up since that point. Um, that, I don't know. There's just something really special about that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and you again mentioned it with her and her kids. Like, what a, I don't know if the movie is like, is it crazy to call this movie sex positive? I mean, it, it is it's, though. It's like, it, it's yeah. groundbreaking where yeah. she says, honey, this is your father. Right. We, ne- we never got married. Honey, this is your father. And this is what happened to us. And you're going to hear shit about me. And, and I don't want anyone to, um, pick on you because of my decisions. You know, this is who I am. Right. They're going to tear me down. They're going to try and take you down with me. Yeah. Like, don't let them. And because I'm not going to let them. Yeah. And it's just like the most, like, I don't know. It feels like so much truth is this movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Unfortunately, and I think this is because Disney bought Fox, it's very hard to find now. Um, if mm-hmm. you don't own a copy of it, it's not streaming anywhere. Right. So, yeah, good luck. I yeah. I can recommend you some places where you can purchase it if you need, but I, I do recommend doing that because it's very much worth it. It's seeing. an American classic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Really quickly, what are some other things that we want to really highlight? Once again, as I mentioned, fucking Soap Dish. Her chemistry with Kevin Klein off the charts. The scene where they have to retake the kiss three times. Fucking love it. Comedy gold. Maggie. I've thought about nothing except what we once were, how we... Hmm. Sorry, I uh, just didn't feel anything. One more time. Oh, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. Oh! Oh, Maggie. I've thought about nothing except what we once were, how we made magic. That's a costume. That one was good for me. Having to jump on Kevin Klein in the... In the but, uh... Uh, I mentioned Punchline. I'm not going to mention it again because I've said its name enough. Uh, Steel Magnolias, Weeping Like a Baby. Can we talk a minute about Hello, My Name is Doris? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Holy shit. Because... And, and, like, what a good late career film for yeah. her, nonetheless. What a, like, uh, a gift of a role. And it shouldn't be, but, like, it really is. Um, and this movie, like, I, I'm I'm sure, like, the gag or the, the sell of it was, like, old woman like falls in love with a younger guy and yeah. she's delusional about it but this movie's so much more than that oh absolutely and and the movie's so on her side yeah for it you know she's a quirky older woman who works in an office it's a it's, she's a holdover from a previous uh Owner. buyout yeah. essentially because uh, it's like a young hip company and she's an accountant um a new guy comes in played by max greenfield yep. um who is gorgeous dreamy <laughs> yeah so yeah can't uh, i no wonder you know officer leo veronica mars fame if you absolutely, will absolutely absolutely uh and sh- she starts having this vivid fantasy life of him. at the same time her mother has just passed away yeah. she's spent years taking care of her mother yep. she's become a hoarder because of this and her brother who got out played by stephen root it like wants her to sell her life off essentially yeah, and she doesn't want to do it her, him, her his wife Played by Wendy McClevin. Coven? Yeah, something yeah. like that. They're like... Great role for her, by the way. Yeah. But what a monster. What a monster. <laughs> um, they essentially like, we need to sell this house. You need to get rid of all this shit. Yeah. And, and she's like, but I live here. And this yeah. is all my stuff. And it's just like, I remember uh, the first time I watched that movie being like, it's kind of like a sucker punch situation where you're like, 
oh, this is so fun when she gets in with uh, Max Greenfield's friends and Jack Antonoff. Like, it's just yeah. like, it's like this funny, silly, uh, same, same, <laughs> honey. Especially when he called, like, sorry, sorry, guys, I know you can't see us right now, but we're both melting a little bit. Melting. Uh, but especially when Jack Antonoff's like, she's hot. Yeah. And I was just like, she is hot, Jack Antonoff. Like, both, both. <laughs> like... Why not both? Um, <laughs> But in the end, when she realizes, like, she has created this kind of, she has created this secondary delusion about Max Greenfield and this friendship and in her life. But the real issue is the main delusion of, you know, keeping a hold on to all these things. Yeah. Um, and she realizes that she needs to let go. She needs to live a life of her own now. Right, which she hasn't done ever. But ever. And, I mean, there's a, the horrible scene where she's... The the brother is like, you know, I'm disappointed in you. And she's like... And she fucking loses yeah. it. You are disappointed in me. Todd, where were you? Where were you all those years? All those years? I took care of her. I, I fed her. I clothed her. I took care of her. Where were you? Where were you? We made an agreement, Doris. Huh? You were in the best position to take care of her. And, and how else would I would I have gone to school? Start my own business, huh? How? You agreed to that. We agreed to that. I, I could have had those things. I could have had them too. I could have. And that's classic Sally Field. Yeah. And it's so good. And also, just a real quick shout out Tyne Daly plays her best friend in it. Mm. Fucking oh. love the role that Tyne Daly is playing. The, the cast of women around Sally Field in that movie. It's so funny because, you know, this was Michael. I feel like this was Michael Showalter's big move towards mainstream because after this he then went on direct big sick mm. and i think you can see those seeds in there and i would love to see him do something like this again yeah, yeah. we we love this movie yeah um uh, really quickly go watch homeward bound to cry um yeah okay good and also if you have three and a half hours watch sybil oh absolutely <laughs> uh okay let's move into our one star reviews So my pick, and I'm so sorry, is Punchline. Is it really? (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, listen. Kim Kim will never forgive you. Listen, I think, I mean, so maybe it's like a two-star review. I don't know. I've been looking at this list. Did I care for Smoking the Bandit? Not really, but she's fine in it. So, okay, Punchline. We've already said what Punchline is about. It's a, you know, she's a a mom, but she wants to be a stand-up comedian. Um, I think, I believe her as a stand-up comedian. I think she's, there's a great scene where she's like doing the stand-up um, and Tom Hanks is like, what does your nanny do? Where are your kids? Yeah. Um, what I, the reason why I do not like this movie. In the end, spoiler alert. Oh, no, the ending is a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. It's two things. One, I think this movie thinks it's a little bit more than it is. There's the whole moment where he's like singing in the rain because that scene's amazing though. How dare you? He wants to fuck her. Right. And she's like, no. no. <laughs> and he is like really but, but Did you not find any beauty in the in that scene where she's like she's like I love my husband and he's like well you'll have to get over that like like, well, like he's like unstable. He's a comedian. Like He is very unstable. I I just was like 
I was less charmed by Tom Hanks and his like, and I was like, why the fuck would Sally Field's character want to do any of this? See, I do, I do kids parties and kids love me once they get to know me. And I think that your kids will love me once they get to know me. I'm sure. Stephen. You know, Mr. Carrot and Mr. Lettuce had a terrible auto accident. You know what the doctor said when they took him to the hospital? They'd be vegetables the rest of their lives. You knew it! No, I didn't. You know, I had a girlfriend. She was Stephen, so skinny. You know Stephen. how skinny she was? Uh, when she drank tomato juice, she looked like a thermometer. That's right. You know how ugly she Stephen, was? These are so Tell me old. how ugly these she was. These are very Tell old. Tell me how ugly was, she how was. How ugly was she? How ugly was she? When she walked into a room, all the mice jumped on chairs. Now, <laughs> do you see? Do you see how great we would be together? I mean, married or, or something? That's right. I, that's what I said. I said married. Stephen, I love my husband. Yeah. Well. going to be married you'll have to get over that yeah she clearly wants an outlet to be a comedian i get that but nowhere in the story she's like maybe i should have an affair maybe i should like go off with fucking loser tom hanks who like it's funny i recently read an interview too where tom hanks was talking about why he doesn't play villains because he doesn't think it's believe it'd be believable mm. he's like that's just not who i am but earlier in his career he was allowed to be sort of villainous and i think this is actually Kind of yeah. one of those roles where he's not the worst guy, but he is not a good guy. I think that this movie, though, that there are a lot of... I'm getting off track. Let's get back to the ending. Yes. The ending is cuckoo bananas and fucking a big, like, fuck you to Sally Field, essentially. Yeah. she There's a big contest to get on network TV or something. To shit. get on Johnny Carson. Right. Whom she dated in real life for uh, a hot second. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, she, I love that she's like, I was a, a little flirt. I was always seeing someone. Um, she was repressed for so long. Um, okay, so there's uh, there's this big contest, and all of these um, comedians from this club are going to have an opportunity to, to compete and g- do their tight fives or whatever. Um, like you said, this world is populated with actual comedians. Yeah. Damien Wayans is one of them. Who... The one black comedian and he bombs. Oh yeah, yeah. That which is not great. I, I was like, okay, we know that that guy's funny. Um, but anyway, so everyone performs and um, you know, it's a, it's like a big climactic thing where they finally, you know, Sally was like, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go. She goes. Uh, her husband is there, and it's like a very kind of like, wow, you know, support, and it's actually right. gonna happen for her. And the the judges are voting, and she wins. They she she finds out that she wins. They tell her that she wins. Um, and she's like, and she's kind of like, no, I'm no, 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 I didn't win. No, I'm not going to win. Yeah. She's, she's like, my, my home life is enough. And she fucking bails on it. Yeah. And to let Tom Hanks win. Yeah. And then she walks out like with no pomp, no circumstance. It's all just like her, her and, and, and John, um, walking out being like, ha ha ha, you got to work this into your, I'm like, fuck yeah. you. She just won this big contest. She doesn't need your shit. Like, it's funny. Cause the one joke that he does give her is something that really happened to her. She mentions in the book where she was like screaming at the doctors. I'm Lamaze. I'm Lamaze. Oh yeah. 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 And he's like, you should work that in your act. But it's, I, 
I thought the politics of that obviously are super fucking shitty. Like, yeah. this woman could not win. Like, it's somewhere ho- in Hollywood was like, well, we can't let her win. Tom Hanks needs to win. It's like, so funny, too, because I don't I don't want to defend the ending because I do think it's trash. And I do think she, she should have stayed and won. I do wonder, like, because we see her always as a woman who's constantly, as much as she wants to put her dream first, she's constantly putting other people's dreams in front of her. And I do wonder if that plays a little into that in the end. Because he's so unstable that I'm pretty sure she's like, if he loses this, he's he, going to kill he's himself. He's going to fucking lose it. Yeah. yeah. And because he starts off bombing in a terrible way. Right. And so this is also, he's like in med school to like, satiate his father who is an asshole whatever the the movie though like ramps up his like trauma from his dad like really quickly and really aggressively and i was like this is like the quote-unquote star person of the the comedy realm yeah goes to do a set because he thinks some head haunches there and then his dad's there and has a full mental breakdown on stage on stage pretty early in the movie and i was like a star is not born, honey. And also, it is one of those questions, like, would they have let him perform again with he, that sort of... Because that wasn't even, like, a comedy routine. No. That was, like... <laughs> he was like, my dad's here. And he, he doesn't even fucking... Like, it was... It's it's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um, the, the movie, th- This is not the worst movie ever made. But uh, of what I watched, I was like, eh. Not even Smokey and the Bandit 2. Did you watch that one? Didn't watch that one. Uh, I will say Smokey and the Bandit 2 has one redeeming factor, which is um, she was gearing up to break up with uh, Burt Reynolds. Okay. And there's a scene in which uh, her character, Frog, Froggy. Froggy, yeah. Uh, breaks up with Burt Reynolds, and she wrote it herself. Excellent. Good for yeah, her. Yeah, and it's very good. When I first met you, I think you really liked yourself. I liked you. And you did what you did best. What, show off? Yeah. You did it so good, you got famous. And then you felt you had to do more and more until you were doing what you didn't do best. And now I don't think you even have any fun. I'm not having any fun right now. Neither am I. I hope you like yourself someday. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm not going to agree with you, because I, I do like Punchline. And there's also some problematic stuff. It was back when people thought that, like, funny accents of other cultures were... <gasps> I was thinking... I was, yeah. I, I was like, wow, I definitely remember a time... I mean, I think Tom Hanks does, like, a Chinese accent at some point, and I was like, no, no, no. Well, a lot of the comedians are like, oh, yeah, and so this is me doing, like, the guy in the cab, or the guy at my takeout spot. Yeah. And, like, isn't it so funny that I sound, you know... Chinese or yeah, yeah. what Middle Eastern, Indian, whatever yeah. the fuck it is, a lot of the character, and I was like, wow, comedy in the nineties was literally just oh, 80s, that, late eighties, yeah, 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 it was yeah. just that, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's some issues, but uh, my one star review, and I previously mentioned it. You know, I was actually thinking about giving it to Smokey and the Bandit too, um, and actually, she herself. She's the second actor we've ever done to give their own one star review, mm. and she's listed. Uh, both Smoking the Bandit 2 and Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. I think probably Beyond the Poseidon. Beyond, I, I think right. there's a couple of others that are really, really bad. The sequel to Poseidon. Uh, actually, Smoking the Bandit 2 is pretty awful. Yeah. But I think, um, I, I don't know, it's a talk. I don't know. I'm just going to go very with Smoking good. the Bandit 2 just because I hardly ever speak of it. But I have to give it to Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. Okay, I did not watch it, this. It's a garbage. She um, essentially 
first of all, Poseidon Adventure is a film in which uh, a giant cruise liner turns upside down and and many people have to try and survive. And in Wait, the end, there's wasn't like... Wasn't there a remake with Fergie? Yes. It was mm. just called Poseidon. Mm. Um, no adventure, just Poseidon. <laughs> um, and... You know, there's like six survivors in the end. Um, this movie picks up the day after, um, because of the, the storm hits on New Year's Eve. So this is New Year's Day and there's a salvage crew run by Michael Caine and they've picked up a young girl played by Sally Field who's going to help them salvage. And there's one other crew member and they run across the Poseidon and they decide they're going to steal its riches, you know, cause they'll, they'll have the salvage rights if they get there first. Uh, they get there. Telly Savalas is there claiming that he's with a bunch of doctors. Turns out, no, he's there to steal smuggled uranium, which is on a cruise liner. What? That's how they get that here. Yeah. Uh, along the way, they find some other survivors, uh, even though, once again, the survivors of the first film were the only survivors. Um, <laughs> to what a twist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Peter Boyle. And it's just disaster after disaster. And what, what, Interesting about the first movie is the first movie is kind of, the first movie is not great. I actually wrote a joke about the first movie in my senior thesis film in college. Wow. Um, which you will never see, sorry. Okay. Um, okay. but, uh, the, the thing about the first movie is it's, it's tense and it's claustrophobic and, and none of that seems really apparent in this film because it really seems kind of easy to get into the ship. And it seems like every, people are everywhere. Yeah, it seems kind of the situation, the like, ease in which they go from one peril to another the tension is never there on top of that she and michael kane are love interests huh. and it's gross okay and weird and they have a no chemistry i mean i can do anything that i set my mind to do you know i mean anything i have this very high iq if you hadn't noticed i don't know i'm just sort of this underachiever <laughs> underachiever you're the toughest monkey on this show <laughs> Monkey? Yeah. You call me monkey. That's cute. That's really cute. You call me monkey. I hate that. I hate to be called monkey. I mean, maybe it would have helped if I wore my long black evening gown, but then I packed it away with all the rest of my summer things. Oh, I want to get out of here. Celeste. 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 What? I think you're beautiful. You do? You gonna kiss me now? No. Well then, let's just get the hell out of here. She would later go on to star with Michael Caine in a comedy called Surrender in 1987. Um, I cannot find hide nor hair of this film except for trailers. I just think maybe people are like, her and Michael Caine, should it be a thing? This is an alleged movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's gross and weird and I do not like it. In the end, like, <laughs> the... In the book, The Poseidon Adventure, the ship sinks. Since it didn't sink in the first movie, this was a total cash grab to, like, revisit it. Right. Um, but in the end, they blow up the ship just to give you, like, like you know, oh, it's something different, uh -huh. you know? Erwin uh, Allen, this was his last theatrical film. He is, for all intents and purposes, brilliant man. He created Lost in Space. And, like, I, I, I like a lot of his stuff. Uh, he was very famous for his disaster movies, Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure. But this was an unmitigated bomb. He actually gave the first thing you see in the in the film is an Irwin Allen production, and there's a huge music fanfare, and he instructed the person who scored the movie to include it, and apparently the audiences laughed, and he was very Aww. upset about that. 
it's it's just a disaster all around, and sh- Sally Field agrees. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, you yeah. can't get a better, um, you know. No, you don't need to see that. the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, was there anything else that you particularly didn't like? Um, I saw a movie called Two Weeks. Yeah, um, it's really I, bad. I think she's pretty good in it. She's good in it. Yeah, and she like weaves in kind of like you mentioned in Punchline. She weaves in in one of those stories like some of her personal stuff. Um. These kids are just fucking assholes. You know? Yeah, well, that's, I, uh, it's the only film that director's ever directed, and he wrote it, too. And I think what it is, is, like, you know how there's a thing called inside joke? And, mm. and you know how it's, like, people are laughing, and you feel sort of on the outside? This movie was, like, inside grief. That movie. Where grief is so personal, and I just was not included in there. Like, like, every, it feels like every moment, because like, it's grief, but also, like, there's supposed to be these funny moments. Oh, yeah. I was, like, every scene was, like, uh, this happened to this guy once and thought it'd be good in a movie. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And like the funny moments are punctuated by bits of like, yeah, like, I was like this, your experiences aren't universal, sir. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, two weeks. Um, I will give a shout out to uh, Julianne Nicholson, who I think is a society we failed because she should be a huge star and she's like constantly being relegated she's, to TV. She's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, like when she shows her brother, like that she like turns her mother over and there's all these black marks. She's like, on this Sally is Gibbon. cancer. And she's like, she has so much cancer in her body. It is growing outside of it. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Julianne Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the sons, though, are just all assholes. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all terrible. They're like, ugh, how like, long is it going to take for mom to die? You have, like, first season Sonny Glenn Howerton and yeah. Tom Cavanaugh, who's now relegated to The Flash. Flash. And Ben Chaplin, who every time I'm looking at him, I'm like, Billy Crudup wasn't available. Billy Crudup. Um, <laughs> poor man's Billy Crudup, if you will. Absolutely. Um. Beyond that, you know, I don't, even like silly dumb things I love, like Kiss Me Goodbye, love that. Um, I will say, you know, that the time period between Smokey and the Bandit and Norma Ray is mm. is a lot of misses. And I think, it, and I'll include Stay Hungry, which is before Smokey and the Bandit. But it's a lot of like supporting roles for men. You know, Heroes, it's Henry Winkler. Stay Hungry, it's Jeff Bridges. It's almost like, like that time period, like late 70s. Norma Ray withstanding, and also the like early aughts, 2003, 2006, they are both time periods where it's like supporting things, yeah. uninteresting movies, kind of like, I just need to make some money. Um, which is really unfortunate because she's so talented, but yeah, the, but it also these roles are often marked with not, not only as a supporting, but they're like ill-treated roles. Like yeah. it's almost like she's not good enough to be a full human. Right. Before we get into our fast forward, oh, right. let's get into our mixed reviews reviews. My five star review is 1979's Norma Ray. My five star review is also 1979's Norma Ray. Wow, this hasn't happened in a while. No, it hasn't. Wow. Good to be back. Uh, and my one star review was, I'm so sorry, 1980's Punchline. 88's Punchline. And my one star review is 1979's Catwoman. I mean, beyond the <laughs> Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> it's genuinely, that happens so much. But. Let's get into our fast forward. What does Sally have on the horizon? We know that she has a show on AMC. Yes, uh, which is currently airing. I believe it's on the third episode. It's called Dispatches from Elsewhere. It was created by Jason Siegel. Uh, I started the first episode and I found it really precious in a way that I was not enjoying. 
Um, I've heard great things actually about the the lead uh, Eve Lindley, the lead actress in it. She plays Jason Segel's girlfriend. She's also uh, it's one of her first big roles. She's a trans actress. Hmm. She was handpicked by Jason Segel to play the lead woman in the show. So like, yeah, but I, I'm interested to see what's happening with Sally Field now that she's back on TV because it seems like in her book she does not hold TV in high regard. No. And she oftentimes is doing it because it's only for money. It's like a means to an end for yeah. her. Um, which is interesting because it almost, I mean, and like I said, she was a, such a good example uh, of someone who's been able to go back and forth way before, you know, it's become in vogue now. Um, but she even said, you know, when she was doing Brothers and Sisters, she was like, oh, fuck, they're not going to hire me to do Lincoln because I'm on this ABC show. Um, and, and she had to really fight. Steven Spielberg wasn't like, ah, oh, yes, the great Sally Field. Right. Come, please be in my movie. They were like, mm, I don't know. And she had to say, like, I know I have baggage. I know that there's a lot uh, of uh, assumptions about me as an actress and, and what people are going to think of me on the on, in this movie. Um, and so I feel like she's just been kind of like really fucking hurt by TV. You know, like her, she did not, her experience in TV is not the experience of, you know, say Viola Davis or right. um, actors now who are like, oh yeah, I get to do all this like great, like, it's not like fucking Nicole Kidman who right. like, you know, who's like, yeah, I did like Big Little Eyes and it's been great. She literally had to do fucking stupid little children shit to work her way up in, in the in the industry now. Um, but yeah, I don't see anything. Her IMDb page does not show anything for the future as far as projects go. Right. I will say though, I mean, it's not like she's unhonored as a national treasure. Last year, she was awarded the Kennedy Center Honors, which is a huge deal. She's one of five award recipients every year. Um, yep. and so, yeah, I, that's a really big deal to, to be honored in such a way and to be like, hey, your contribution to the arts is important we see you when we met almost 50 years ago the world already knew sally field and as the years rolled by her body of work grew in i think the most impressive way i'm in love with her this kind of is the real pinnacle achievement award i just am on sort of an emotional flood whoa that was just enormous uh, who knows what she's gonna do next who knows what else she's has on her plate, but I, I'm glad that she has that recognition that people don't just see her as Gidget or the Flying Nun right. or, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to see how old is she now? She is, she's 73. She is. Um, So she is not a spring chicken. No. Um, But, and, and, you know, I think we've talked multiple times about how uh, roles for women and like, you know, what roles could there be left for someone like Sally Field? Um, is she still interested in doing stuff? You know, right. who fucking knows? Well, that's why I was surprised about that. The last film she's done is that Netflix film, Little Evil. She's in the movie for maybe 30 seconds and she's playing like kind of a bit character part. And I was kind of like, is she just doing this for fun? Is like, what is, is it a favor? Like I was, what, like, what is she, at this point in her career? Uh, but I don't know. But she also doesn't have to. She's won two Academy Awards. You know, she won the, every single national award yeah. in, for Norma Ray. So, I mean, I, and I think you know, all her kids are grown ups now. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she's married. Uh, she's been divorced twice, I think. Um, but I, 
I mean, if reading the book is any um, indication, she finally feels like she's at peace. Yeah. With um, she doesn't need right, and and I think in a way that's very Jane Fonda as well too, where she's just like, I'm okay with being me, and I think now she can really um, be. If something good comes along, she'll take a look and you know get into it. But like, I, I still don't think she needs to work. Um, take, she doesn't have to take those roles that she was before. Yeah. Um, and but she's proven that she can still do. I mean, when she did Hello, my name is Doris. Um, she certainly, you know, in her I think early seventies, maybe late sixties. Um, and she's fucking great in it. Yeah. You know, she well, still has it. She still she still looks so cute and full of life. Um, and that's also another thing. She's always looked the way she looks. Like, yes, she has just um. That same face with those big cheeks, um, huge eyes, huge eyes, um, and it is like so inviting. And when she smiles, like I don't know, there's something about her smile that just like inner light shines on everything around her. Yeah, yeah. God, what a good, good um, two weeks it's been. Just I will say, I do want to see her on stage again, though, only because for selfish reasons. I was gonna say you were so selfish. I am selfish. Broadway's not even open right now. That's true. God help us all. Yeah. We're we're going to be doing 40 more episodes while you're in quarantine. God. God help you guys. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that brings us to the conclusion of Sally Field for now. Until she does whatever she does next. And we'll be there in the theaters to see it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. Absolutely. If you want to find us online, you can find us on Twitter at at The Mixed Reviews. We're also on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us like you have been for the past however many hours, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Google Play Music. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Leave us a little nice five-star review and write us a little comment and we'll read it on the show. I want you all to know that Gavin gesticulates wildly. I do. As he um, explains what you can do to <laughs> yeah. comment for us. The uh, podcast, visual medium. Mm-hmm. Visual it, medium. it helps. I don't it know helps. why I'm voguing now. Yeah, visual yeah. medium. Visual medium. <laughs> Opulence. Opulence. I own everything. I earn everything. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure and check out our Twitter poll when it comes out in about a week to vote for your favorite Sally movie. Um, Stay safe out there. Absolutely. And we'll be back with you in April and hopefully things will be a little more normal in that. God, help us all. (laughs) Uh, Sally, be with us and also with you. Absolutely. Pray to that flying nun. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Pack up your dirty books, your songs that have